Hey everyone, welcome to episode 118. We finally got Dr. John Russin on the podcast. He's been someone I've been looking to bring on and share with you guys for a long time. If you've already heard of him, well, obviously you know who he is. We get his thoughts on how his career started, a lot of the key things along the way, and how he took a really long time of just working with people before he put his information out there in the form of articles uh, and creating online content and his thoughts on that whole thing, what other trainers should do. We also look at how he feels Instagram is not education and how we got to go deeper than just consuming infographics and superficial stuff, but to get into the deeper education. We also talk about how he doesn't feel the industry is saturated yet. And that sentiment is rather silly. And we just get a really fiery, passionate rant filled episode of the thoughts of a guy who's been really successful. So I really hope you stay tuned and listen to it and then go check out John's work afterwards. Shut up and sit down. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. So whenever possible, I try to aim to bring on guests who've been making a really big impact in our industry. Um, And we've got one today, so... It's often hard to schedule them just because they are really busy people. They're really in demand. But we've got Dr. John Russin here with us. And I managed to meet John a couple of years ago. And we finally managed to make it work. So a little bit of background on John. He's got a doctorate in physical therapy. He's a strength coach. And he's really dedicated to sports performance and injury prevention. Those two things are really prevalent in his social media, his content that he creates, his articles. He's also a prolific writer, presenter. He's worked with Olympic medalists, IFBB pro competitors, a lot of other athletes. So it's great to have you on. Please welcome John. Hey, guys. It's it's awesome to be here. I have ducked you for like two years now, ever since the Vigor Ground Fitness Summit in 17. I I finally made it on the Fitness Devil podcast. So (laughs) this is awesome. Dean, Andrew, thank you so much, guys. Andrew's pretty scary. Like if I saw him in person, I'd want to duck him too because you never know what you're (laughs) going to get. Yeah, it, between the muscles and the red hair and the vast <laughs> amount of vascularity, like I don't know where to put my eyes when I talk to Andrew. So <laughs> it is not usually a good situation for having a lot of uh, success in the communication field, but we're going to try it. You know, I'm looking into his eyes right now, even though this is a podcast, <laughs> this is going to get real. I can feel it. We, we, this is why we want to get you out here. We actually have a lot of fun with and recently had Christian Thibodeau on, and I know you guys are pals as yeah. well. And, and Christian and I always banter back and forth because he's a well built guy, vascular, whatever, but there's a bit of a height difference. So he likes to, uh, <laughs> he, hears, he hears a lot about the angles on the webcam because he, he always gets pissed off because he, he thinks he looks small on a webcam. That's his thing. <laughs> Like, you know, the thing about Christian, you guys, you guys will get a kick out of this. So Chris gave me this testimonial a couple of years ago from my website, and it's actually still sitting on the front page of drjohnrussin.com. And I shit you not that we get anywhere from three to five emails a month that go, hey, it's so cool that you train Vin Diesel. He's on the front page of your website. He says you're a really great coach. Man, that's awesome. Do you do anything else in Hollywood? And I'm like, what in the fuck are these people talking about? And then I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, Chris looks exactly like Vin Diesel. And I'm pretty sure you guys did that graphic yeah. when he yep. came on the podcast, it, right? Weirdly yes, we enough, did. it didn't look very different. Like, I, I know, like, obviously, it looks like him, but I was even doing it. I'm like, holy fuck. Like, it's, it's almost perfect. Well, he was telling us on, on air that he was asked – there was a Vin Diesel movie being shot in Quebec and he was asked to stunt double for him, but he wasn't physically there at the time. 
he wasn't <laughs> able to do it. So that's been a bit of a funny joke for a while. So yeah, no, the resemblance is, is startling. It never gets old. So I mentioned that uh, the first time I met you was back in September of 2017. Actually, the only time we've ever met and hung out. Uh, and that was at Luca Hosevar's uh, fitness yeah. and business uh, conference, which I love. That thing was great. I'm gonna, I couldn't make it last year because, well, shit, we put on a conference on the same weekend. So <laughs> us, uh, Dean Somerset's one of our partners in that. He presented. We had Lee Boyce in town. And so we just announced that. We're keeping quiet the, the list because we haven't publicly announced, publicly announced 2020, but we did reveal in Christian Thibodeau's episode that Christian is one of our speakers next year. Nice. Most of our speakers are Canadian, so that one's <laughs> out of the bag. We'll, we'll save the rest because there's a bunch of big names. Obviously, Somerset is in it because he's one of our partners. Yeah. And uh, But I, I like traveling to these things. But anyway, so that wasn't the point of the question. Yeah. So, I was like, what are you talking about? You're just pumping your own seminar. Totally. <laughs> Just well, shameless plugs. Yeah, five minutes in, well, it's just plugging this seminar up. That's like when you don't actually schedule it on the weekend of Luca's event next year. You know, already lesson, did. man. We already talked to Luca. <laughs> he moved. His is on a different weekend. We ended up with ours on the same. But we had the balls to tell him on the podcast. I was like, yeah, we scheduled it on the same weekend as you. <laughs> oh my god. Whoops. So you know, I get to attend it this year, which is good. But, you know, I mentioned you've been really successful and there's a lot of different metrics to success in our industry. But I wanted to tap into if you had any core philosophies, any goals along the way, particular tactics you, you approached your work with or important, important decisions that set you on this path. And then maybe if there were some strategic choices you said no to or things that left you where you are. Man, that list could be a hundred different things long, but... I think when you break it down at the deepest of levels, by not being afraid to move slow early on in your career is a very, very tough skill this day and age. Um, you know, not a lot of people realize that I coached athletes and I coached clients for almost nine years before anyone ever knew my name, before they saw a byline, a video, social media, articles, speaking engagements, any of this stuff. And it all kind of came to a head in 2013. I started uh, transitioning away from professional sport into general health and fitness uh, client management. And I felt like I had a little bit of something to say, you know, with almost a decade of experience at that point, a little bit different of a viewpoint of what I thought was most important in the industry, which is still the same today, which is resilience and staying injury free. And really that uh, came to a point where I was producing a lot of content very quickly. You know, in 2013, started writing articles. Uh, by the end of 2014, I was producing anywhere from 14 to 16 articles that were published a month. And, wow. you know, today we're up to 1,600 published articles between sites like T-Nation, bodybuilding.com, uh, everywhere in between, even print magazines like Men's Health, Muscle and Fitness. And it, it was a skill set that I honestly didn't know I had. And it's an interesting story because I was coming back from China at the time. I was a performance coach out for the Chinese Olympic Committee and I was burned out. You know, I was coming back from China. I spent six months at a time away from my family. I have kids at home. I have a wife at home. And something had to switch. And my wife was like kind of pissed off because I was transitioning between jobs. Like I was coming home from China, didn't take another pro sport contract. And I would sit around all day, kind of like you guys do, and read articles, read articles, read journals, anything that you could do to upskill your knowledge I was doing. And finally one day she was just so fucking pissed. She goes, 
you know what? Go fucking write something. And I was like, <laughs> that's not a bad idea. That is not a bad idea. And one article uh, mushroomed into a ton, uh, you know, six, seven years <laughs> later. And that was the biggest turning point in my career. I went from being a very private coach, working with private clients, private athletes in the private sector into being a very public person, producing content, writing articles, speaking engagements, things like that, that pushed you into, you know, the, uh, the public sector, which is the today's fitness industry. We didn't plan this for the listeners, but anyone who's been listening for the last, like, say, seven or eight episodes, this has actually been a key theme. We talked about Jordan Syatt extensively about this, Jill Coleman recently, about getting off of the content consumption cycle and starting to create. I actually have an article <laughs> written. Yeah. It's going to be published, I think, next week on a friend of mine's website about this very topic. And it's really relevant. And I've been trying to to sort of bring this to the forefront. It's cool that you mentioned it well, it's, it's, in order it's, to encourage a lot of people to get away from just consume, 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 we need more, and to put yourself out there. Well, the fucked up thing is, if you do the timeline, that would have been, like you said, I think 2013, like creating yeah. content wasn't even cool back then. You know what I mean? No. Like the, the idea to write an article would be at the forefront of everyone's mind because there were only a few sites at that point, which is yeah. interesting that you, you because I could almost picture like as a 19 kid reading your stuff, and it like almost went like, I'm, I'm making yeah. like a big, um, arc, but like it's interesting because like you, when you went in, you went in hard and then it fast. If that makes sense. And then well, I also was in a position though. Going in hard and fast was actually a necessity at that point because I was jobless. I had a family at home. I had things that I needed to take care of financially, and I wasn't working with anyone. I didn't have a contract. I didn't have a brick and mortar gym at that point. And really getting into this was a means to actually shift what I thought I wanted to do for the rest of my career, which is help educate our industry, help educate other trainers, other coaches. But it had to start from zero. And starting from zero meant that every dollar that I made for articles, every dollar that I made for doing things that were content production was going into buying groceries, paying rent, stuff like that. So when you have a, a young child at home, and you have mm -hmm. obligations in life, yeah, you're gonna produce very quickly and it's gonna be very good quality content because every article matters. The next one is shit, you might have not have another opportunity. So I think there was a lot of pressure on me early on at that point, but you know, I found this skill, um, I found a little bit of a muse and a lot came out quickly because again, it was 10 years of the things that I did that I did like the back of my hand. I knew like the back of my hand that I could produce very prolifically. Um, but it was something that really just came to a head based out of pure necessity. Do you think, well, the, when I look at like when we talk about 2013, but like you're writing articles and all these things, they're, they're pretty much in depth. And then if you kind of fast forward to now, people coming up that are like you are almost producing content on mediums where they don't have to be in depth. Do you think, <laughs> and, and, and I don't know where I'm going with this, but like basically how do they, I don't even know. Well, I'll actually bridge that because it actually was one of the questions we planned and it yeah. has to do with your quote, you know, Instagram is not education sure. by reading an article or a damn book. So it all ties in. <laughs> so we're seeing a whole generation of younger coaches. And I guess the sort of question was, do you think a lot of them are actually trying to get their education from Instagram? and? Also, how do we walk that line between kind of, hey, encourage people to follow what we're putting on our social media, but then telling them, hey, don't get your formal education on social media. So I'll just open up that whole conversation to you. 
I mean, I'm kind of an old guard coach when it comes to content production, because when I write an article, it, I truly think it's an article. It's something that has citations. It's something that's four to 8,000 words. It has 30 minutes of video content in it. I try to pride myself in literally putting out free things in terms of articles that are better than somebody's fucking ebook that they're selling for a hundred or $200. So I've done that my entire career and we continue to double down on that. You know, we just produced an article today with 8,000 words on the Bulgarian split squad and every single one of those paragraphs mattered. But you know, we're living in a day and age where people love this shiny object syndrome. They go in and they get so fixated on some exercise that they've never seen before or some fucking infographic that actually doesn't produce any quality actionability for anyone that's actually looking at it. And we go back to the fact that how are we gonna help our clients or most, more so for me in my niche, how am I gonna help better educate fitness professionals? And honestly, it's not through an Instagram video. It's not through three sentences in a blurb under Instagram or on Facebook. It is truly in the things that we want to push people towards is in-depth ultimate resources, which happens in articles, it happens in videos, and it happens in in-person education. That is a lost art in today's industry as well. But you know, if you are depending on trying to upregulate your skills as a personal trainer, as a strength coach, as a rehab professional on Instagram, you're in trouble. You know, put some time into developing your skill set. And if you're a content producer, I honestly don't think that putting an infographic up with that being the sole medium of your exchange is content. It's not. Or putting a talking head video. I don't think it's content. I think we need to go deeper because our industry is so full of superficial knowledge and super lagging in deep theoretical and actionable based knowledge. These are two different things. Just because you know something exists doesn't know, mean that you know how to execute it, that you know how to teach it, that you know how to cue it, that you know how to scale it for a client in front of you. You know, these are two different things. I think sometimes that people get so polarized by new and novelty that they forget that the basic simple things work extremely well still, but you have to go deeper on these concepts because everyone's different. Everyone's an individual and has custom needs. You know, that's the secret. Well, it seems to be the cycle. And like, I think each area has their own fault. Like most fitness professionals don't want to actually do the hard work and they don't want to actually have to dive in deep. And then you kind of see this content that's coming out with the feedback. And then there's this cycle of just, I don't want to say shit, but surface level training stuff. And if you want to be better in the training industry, it's not that hard anymore because you just have to go like read some more in-depth stuff and you've already separated from the pack, which is kind of fucked up if you think about it. Like, yeah, maybe this is why I don't have a monstrous following though, because I was just giving our coaches a big lecture before I hopped on this podcast. I was like, guys, I do not give a fuck about the amount of likes our Instagram or our Facebook gets. I don't care how many stupid comments we get. All I want people to do is be able to enter our website and educate themselves on the resources that we worked our ass off to produce for free. That is the only goal goal of social media for us and our businesses is to be able to have somebody learn something so they can better off their training or their clients training. But it's not going to happen in a 15 second video or it's not going to happen in 60 words under a video. It's just not. And I'm sorry for people that go in and try to do their content schedule and only have things happening on social media. But 
we're going to see in about two to three years now that once this Instagram influx is gone, all of the people that have been doing great content production for their entire career, they're going to still be here and everyone else is going to be wiped out. The day and age of the influencer will be gone. And then we will still have the people that are actually producing value for end users and for like other me. coaches. I, I always talk about the reckoning is coming at some point. <laughs> it I don't is, man. It's coming, but it's just like there has to be a wave of this. Like it, it has to end at some point because like it is getting so diluted that even the users are understanding that what shitty knowledge. Yeah. And then when that happens, when like everyone kind of understands that this is really surface level, they're going to demand more. And then the people that are influencers are bigger aren't going to be able to give them more because they haven't actually done the work, which is, I don't know if it's two years or three years, but like it has to happen, right? Like, We're already seeing it. We're already seeing it happen. I'm far from an analytical mastermind here on Instagram, but we're already seeing it. You know, the shift of the like button, the yeah. shift of the algorithms that are happening. We're seeing the demise of the influencer. And you know what? Our shit gets better and better and better doing the same stuff that we we're doing two years ago as we we're doing three years ago as we we're doing four years ago when I didn't even have Instagram. So as long as you produce content that actually helps people, that actually truly helps people, it doesn't matter what the algorithm does. It doesn't matter what any of these SEO rules do and change into. You will be relevant still because all of the shit will eventually get washed away. Like I am a believer in that. And, you know, it's been the same now for seven years of content production. And that's a, that's a novice in this game. I look at a lot of the people, actually a lot of the guests we've had, the people who've been major influences in my career, they've been around longer than that influencer cycle. They're the people who've been writing yeah. their blogs and websites for a really long time. And blogs were cool. And, <laughs> yep. And then what you're saying, what you're talking about that stuff is always going to be relevant now, is always going to come back around. And I, while I have, have actively been trying to do some good stuff on, on Instagram and social media, I've written on Facebook for years. The real focus is writing for writing articles. I, I write for Teenage Show. Yeah. I read it for a decade, and now I'm writing for them this last year, which is, you know, that's a big honor to me. Uh, but I've been reading your stuff on there and Christian stuff and Somerset stuff, and you name it for a really long time. Martin Rooney, love Martin stuff. And this is actually how I learned a lot of the stuff early in my career is through those kind of articles and that kind of content. Definitely. And good videos made by people like Dr. Mike Isratel or the, the other people who are creating that stuff. So... I do feel like there could be value in playing the game as it is, but what I think you're really saying is you can use that, but you got to use it as a portal to get people into your bet your better resources, your more in-depth resources. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, that is the only reason that I would be posting. You know, we produce content at a prolific rate on Facebook, on Instagram, on our website. We never miss a day. Since 2013, we've never gone a day where something unique hasn't happened on any of those social media platforms. And it's gotten to the point where we're going to have two unique pieces out per day on Instagram, truly unique, not recycled bullshit. And we're going to have one to two on Facebook a day, every single day for seven years, consistently coming out. And that is always driven into actually going in and educating yourself. It's never like, hey, guys, look at this fucking video. Um, yeah, that's it. It's always, hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's why I'm doing it. If you want to know actually how you can use this with your clients and yourself, here's an in-depth resource for you. And I think there's power in that. Do you know who does that better than anyone? Because you mentioned T Nation. T Nation has done things at an unbelievable level on recurring different articles from 2000, from 2005, from 2010, 
my old shit. They continuously push out the old content, making it new again. And that really shows the, the evergreen model of high quality content production. When I write an article, I sit down and I go, I want people to read this for the next fucking 10 years. I want this to be relevant and helping people for 10 years. And hopefully if it's so good, it's gonna be around for 15 or 20. Can you say that about a Facebook post? Can you say that about an Instagram story? Fuck no, you can't. So the things that stand the test of time that could continuously help people over and over again, that's where you start to move momentum in building up professionalism, building up a quote unquote following online, or just trying to bridge into this online fitness industry. It's quality content production that stands the test of time, but it has to be quality first before any of the other stuff like frequency or the type of media. Let's look at a few good examples of people who are really good with prolific content creation on social media. Sohili, fantastic. Uh, Jordan Syatt has been doing really, really great stuff there. And uh, they're turning around and putting people into their formal written articles. They're great on video. So there is a big library of stuff that they have that will last for time. Definitely. But they are still doing a really good job with social media. So there are other people in our industry where their primary thing is social media. Yeah, that is. And there's, the, <laughs> and there's, only not, yeah. there's not any depth beyond it. Now, I, I can think of one friend like I think is doing a wonderful job. I'm not going to name names, but I think that's probably the main thing there, but he's been super successful with it. But I think for most everyone else, it, you're right. If there's not that depth, but this is why I like what he said. on one platform, then I think... If you're not diverse across any other platform than just Instagram, I think you're in a lot of trouble with it. I think and the reason why I like bringing on someone like John is because you can say that message and show like this is what's happened from here to here, here, and I've grown. But right now, the message that's going out to even new trainers or fitness professionals is like just go on Instagram and go on Facebook and then they get locked into this medium without doing all this other stuff, which is I think is I think it's dangerous to spew that as I guess knowledge on how to become famous on the fitness world, but it's also not like what happens when this shit blows up, like you fucked up and like, I just can't do it on a podcast where you bring on people that are going to tell people that I don't really think that's the way like, I think it can help some people, but it's not going to be their sole purpose. Well, yeah, let's play like devil's advocate here on the fitness devil podcast. So say Instagram goes down. We've seen it a couple times over the last year. Fitness, uh, Instagram goes down for 24, 48 hours. People are freaking out. Facebook goes down, it has bugs in it, you can't get your content out to people. What are you left with? You're left with only the things that you've curated and that you own. So you don't own anything that you put out on Instagram, you don't own anything that you put out on Facebook. What do you own? You own your own IP that sits on your own website. So that's very important for people to actually have their own personal websites, even if they're guys like Andrew, you know, writing on T Nation and these other sites, you know, Andrew doesn't own his own articles. I didn't own my own articles for a long, long time. But I think that there is a yin and a yang to having all this other external stuff going on, but always coming back to your home base. You know, the guys that you mentioned, you know, Tony Gentlecore, Dean Somerset, they've always had a very successful home base. And that's why they are who they are in the industry today. They've pumped quality content onto their own personal sites, and they've done it with a very niche focus where they could be their authentic selves consistently. And boom, overnight success after 20 years. I think we've seen a lot of that, that overnight success after 20 years. It's cool to hear your backstory because I did not realize that you had nine years in the trenches 
before you did all this. Yeah. What do you, what what are your thoughts about the the, the newest generation in the rush for fame? I'm the worst like business mentor of all time because I get this question many times from our coaches. It's like, how do I move fast? How do I get a following online? How do I get online training clients? Well, here's a fact. I only started online training five and a half months ago. Five and a half months ago, I'm brand new to the online training game. So if you're asking me about online training, about you as a 21 and a half year old personal trainer who literally just graduated with their exercise science degree three months ago and how to get on Instagram and get online clients, I'm gonna tell you that you most likely need five to seven years of hard work in most likely a commercial fitness setting. You need to get up at 4 a.m. You need to train somebody until 9.30 p.m. You need to work Saturdays and Sundays. You need to get 10,000 hours of viewing human movement and becoming a very savvy real-time problem solver for your clients in person. Because as soon as you go into this virtual world of human movement science and managing human beings online, things become a lot harder, a lot harder. You just can't smack somebody's ass and say, activate your glutes if they're leaving their glutes loose on a squat or a deadlift. You have to problem solve. Your communication skills have to be so point on point, whether you're doing video consults, whether you're going and using the written word on back and forth on Messenger, you have to truly be a great in-person trainer first to be a great online trainer. There are different things that make good online trainers and good in-person trainers, but when it comes down to it, it is still managing human beings. It's the biopsychosocial physical model of physicality, and it's something that needs to be accrued with experience first in the simplest settings, which is human-to-human in-person interaction. And that is the biggest secret that nobody wants to talk about today is you got to put in the damn time. Well, think, what about every other profession in the world? It's like, what are you fucking lawyer? You're going to go, oh yeah, I did it for three months. I'm going to jump online and start doing like legal zoom. It doesn't work like that. And we can't be the exception to the rule. Every profession has to do this. It's getting good at your craft, your vocation. And then once you are truly great, you'll most likely find a niche that you're even better at and you'll be able to scale it far more successfully. You know, I can tell from my own experience at 22 years old, if I would have started writing articles online, it would have been fucking bullshit. If I would have started training clients online, I would not be sitting here on this podcast talking to you guys. Moving slow in order to eventually move fast and really catapult a career that's the best advice that I can give the young trainers and I do on a consistent basis. When I think like the way I look at it too, is a lot of the people that think that are trying to move fast. <clears throat> I think that they have a misunderstanding of what that career entails. Cause they see all these like influencers <laughs> stuff. What they're doing is they basically created a templated program and they sell it. Like if that's what you want to do for the rest of your life, like that's not a coach or that's not like an <laughs> online trainer. And I think they don't know the difference cause they haven't been doing it long enough. But yeah. Like yeah. it's not the same fucking thing. Like at all. No one's going to listen to that person that like, actually cares. And it's just, I don't know, when, when I hear like advice like yours, you're basically saying if you want to be in the fitness as a career and as a coach and as a strength and conditioning and all these things that you picture in your head that you want to be, that's the route. It's not the online Instagram link tree. I'm going to post pictures of my bikini or show my abs and I'm going to get money for programs. Like that's your life. Like you've made it at that point. Like that's the end. Like is that what you want? 
It's interesting that you say that. So, you know, 2013, I start writing articles. By 2014, fucking pumping articles out. By 2015, I actually have my own website, drjohnrussin.com, pumping articles over there. 2015 was a tough year because it is hard making money writing articles. Anyone who thinks that they're going to get rich writing for these big websites or writing for these magazines, like you are living a fucking pipe dream. Because I was literally scraping by just to do what I needed to do, picking up clients and actually having to reestablish an in-person training business here in Madison, Wisconsin, having moved here in 2014. So 2015, I had to jump back into the pro sports thing. 2015, just to fucking shell out enough money to take care of my family, I took a professional tennis contract and traveled with a top 10 WTA player for that entire year. And in 2015, we were struggling, man. We could barely do the things that we needed to do to be human beings and living a normal lifestyle for my family. And we had our second child in 2015 too. So we have a household of four, a lot of pressure. And I ended up taking this pro sports contract and I had to ditch all the in-person clients that I developed over the last three years. And then my wife comes back in and has really another smart point. And she was like, well, you write all these programs all the time for everybody. You write all these articles about all these different training methods, modalities, techniques. Well, why don't you just put them all into like one thing that people could buy? And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's not a bad idea. So in 2016, January 1st, I actually sell something for the first time online. Now, this is 10 plus years after I started in the industry, and it's three and a half years after I was a public figure in the industry, a quote unquote uh, fitness famous coach. And we put out something called Functional Hypertrophy Training, FHT, and instantly it goes crazy because a lot of uh, then really influential strength coaches were using the program and saying how great it was. And very quickly, that mushroomed into not a job anymore. It wasn't, uh, you know, something that I did for fun, hobby of writing articles. It was like, oh, wow, now I have a fitness business. Now I have an online fitness business. But that was a far-fetched time frame from 2013 starting in the public sector into actually monetizing it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I didn't sell anything for three and a half years. And in that three and a half year period, 700 articles went out for free not asking anything in exchange for just producing content and literally flipping the switch of doing the good things, consistently driving value into people. It was one of those, like Andrew said, those overnight successes. And uh, yeah, it was a game changer, man. Um, something you just said, and I just put, literally put this on my Instagram yesterday. It's about, we're not entitled to anything uh, from like support shares, business from our friends, from people who follow us. You have to earn that. And I like to phrase it this way. <laughs> you have to relentlessly build a bank of grace up with people and writing all those free articles is part of that, that For process sure. of, of building a bank of grace. There's another thought I had that was a conversation we had with Nick Tuminello on here. And, and I like Nick. Nick is a really influential guy on my career. Yeah. And we talk about gatekeeper syndrome and there are going to be people listening to this who are newer, who are going to think, well, you know, the rules, the rules have changed, you know, and, and I often ask myself, are we being gatekeepers? Because I've been in the industry nine years. So I've been around a little while and I, it was at least six before I jumped into anything outside of yeah. personal training. And it's only been a year since, you know, I've been published on, uh, on a major website. Dean, let me finish. Let me finish. <laughs> uh, we can be guilty of being gatekeepers when the industry's changed. But here's the thing. You educate fitness professionals. You actually care about them being successful. And you're trying to give them roadmaps and tools 
for long-term success instead of being sold on and being charged money for these bullshit blueprints that people will try to hustle you on to promise yeah. you very quick results. And our industry, yep. we are also fighting that battle on an industry level with the end user who are being told, like the cliche detox teas or whatever other bullshit, the, the quick fixes, we're trying to sell them on the enduring stuff that will help them long-term. So we are actually coming from a place of caring. We're not trying to say to you, hey, you haven't earned the right yet to do this. We want Partially, someone to actually do it long-term. Gatekeeper syndrome gets like such a negative rap, even with, like Nick was talking both points of it, but, at some point, we gotta protect somewhat of integrity and principles of the shit that works. Sure. You know what I mean? So I mean, I, I'm cool with that being part of the equation. Like, if it's like saying Instagram is bad, like fuck off. Like it has its purpose, <laughs> but it's it's that whole idea of like telling people the truth in terms of like if if we're talking gatekeeper for fitness professionals coming up, it would be it would be very harmful to tell them it's easy, and they don't have to work. It's kind of like when we tell our clients, like, yeah, it's like, it's not a quick fix. It's not a fit tea. Like we have to sell something that's not sexy, but like, that's almost our job. You know what I mean? It is man. But also to the point of actually running a true business in the fitness industry, we have a lot of resources available to us today, basically on any social media platform. Everyone has a website. Everyone's producing some sort of quote unquote content. People aren't dumb though. People are not stupid. As stupid as we think people are, they're not consistently stupid. Meaning that if they do buy something from you, so they come in and buy a program from drjohnrustin.com, and it is the worst fucking thing that they've ever seen, they are never gonna come back to our website. They're never gonna buy anything from me again. And they're gonna tell everyone that they know that this sucks. But to the same extent, if you can actually produce results with people, whatever medium it is that you're coaching them through, then they are going to be so happy that they're going to go tell people as well. So results are the cornerstone of any business, specifically any fitness business today, because a lot of coaches out there, they talk a good game. There's a lot of these programmers out there that think they have the magic fix to diets or the magic fix to a training uh, application. But really when it comes down to it, who is producing results? Who are helping people? Who are the coaches that are changing people's lives and the way and the level at which they're able to live? That is the thing that continues to catapult certain professionals into the stratospheres of fitness fame. And it really ends other careers very quickly because not all content's the same. Not all product production is the same in terms of quality and value. So I hate to see young coaches come up and they jump too quickly into social. And then the next thing you know, they have a free ebook. And then two months later, they're actually selling a $99 single sale program. And four months later, they're selling real estate because everything that they did fucking sucked and people literally hated it. And they publicly hated it and they are no longer a fitness trainer any longer. So I think that we have to gain enough knowledge and enough experience to actually produce results for people at a level that is better than everybody else. You don't have to be better than all other people, but it has to be better than the status quo. And that's where I see a lot of misconception on, well, oh, uh, the fitness industry is saturated. There's so many trainers out there. There's so many diet and macro coaches. Yeah, there is. But there are literally, I could count them on probably a single hand, how many coaches are actually scaling 
single user programs in an intelligent way that are actually producing results. Like they are few and far between. So I always laugh at that, you know, the, the saturation of the fitness industry. Well, yeah, the entire industry, but for actual real coaches doing real things, producing real results, it is not even close to being saturated. We're, we're 20 years away. Well, that's, that's like honestly one of the mainstays which we wanted to talk to you about because I think you've, you've mentioned yeah. that a few times, but it's, it's that idea that like that it is saturated is kind of bullshit in a way because like you said, there is not that the cream rises to the top, but it's, it's getting pretty obvious now, especially to the end user because they're getting smarter, like which products are good, which ones work because at the end of the day, yeah. like, results do speak and all the bigger companies that have made the jump, even from let's say 2013 on to now to all the ones that have made quick jumps recently, they they did that not because of their abs for the most part. They did it because of their results and because people yeah. talk about it. And if it sucks shit, people wouldn't talk about it. Yep. No, it's true because you know, I, I tend to see this most when I go out and we do our pain-free performance specialist certification. So, you know, I had the privilege of going out 33 times this year, a two-day certification course on four different fucking continents. And you'd be surprised about 50% of the people have been reading for a year, about maybe 25% of the people have been reading for multiple years. And then you have about one out of every four attendees for a certification course that are literally brand new to your content. So literally, oh yeah, you know, a couple months or a couple weeks you know, we've seen Instagram, we've seen Facebook, we've been on the site reading your articles and we're using your products. And I'm like, holy shit, you know, like you're at this course right now and you've only been reading for a couple of weeks or a month. There are a lot more of you out there. And that's why I always laugh at like the saturation of the fitness industry. If you're truly doing great things, you're helping people better than others and you are passionate and driven. You're actually working hard on your deliveries in your mediums, you know, there is no competition. You know, as soon as you find that little niche that you are the best at, you are your most authentic self and you are giving somebody a little bit something different against the, you know, the status quo in the industry, that's where people really truly find success. And there will be an abundant amount of people out there for you to continue to grow. Um, you know, year after year, decade after decade, you look at something like Precision Nutrition with Dr. John Berardi, they're just at the base, you know, they are going to be continuing to scale up for the next 30 years. So when this industry is saturated, PN's not even saturated yet with their market and they're the biggest thing in the industry. There's a it's lot of unknown. There's a lot of, un- I would even say PN's unknown to some degree amongst like a lot of people and even like the company I work for, Stronger You, like they're like a $7 million company and like honestly no one knows who the fuck they are except for the people <laughs> that, you know what I mean? And like there's a lot yeah. of even online coaches who've been doing kind of what you've been doing forever who aren't big names but have, they're making a lot of fucking money. They just don't have time to deal with the shit online and like that message does get lost to this new generation coming up that there's a lot of success stories that aren't necessarily going to 33 um, seminars like you, but they're teaching people and getting paid to do so at probably similar rates. So, I mean, it's just, they they just don't all make the the front lines. Think about it this way. Think how many people in our industry that we respect are household names or close in North America. And I can think of (laughs) maybe two that are really pushing into that. Like just who the top of your mind do we think of as really breaking through? And this is something I really love and I'm fascinated with. So, yeah. 
I don't know anyone that I would be like, hey, mom, do you know so-and-so? She'd be like, no, I have no idea. And she trains. My mom wouldn't know you. Brett is getting into the broader space. Like, I I still go back to Jillian Michaels. Like, like, honestly, like, people know that because the biggest loser at a time it came up, but, like, she's still, like, or Dr. Oz. Like, those are the big And they suck. The the industry is saturated for them. Everyone else, not so much. No. There's so much room for growth to get all these people that are worried about it being saturated. You have so much room to grow and gain attention from so many people. So it should be one of the least of your concerns. It's a silly argument. So do not use it as a a reason to discourage you from actually trying. (laughs) Agreed. Agreed. Um, Okay. Let's talk about training because at at the end of the day, we're... (laughs) You're not a social media expert, but like you have like, <laughs> you have, well, actually that I would say that you, you have a lot of, that's what my doctor is saying. Yeah. Social media. You're like, I, I'm a trainer turned social media expert. Um, but you post a lot, of, like we talked about, alluded to it. You post a lot of practical wisdom for your following. And we like to pull stuff from people's social media or their, what they've said and quote, training is a tool that should be used to make your life better, not worse. Unquote. How are people misusing training? And why is even saying this necessary at this point? Dude, it's crazy because we are currently seeing some pretty uh, pretty amazing statistics. I'll call them amazing. You know, we're seeing more pain and injuries in active-based population and sedentary-based population than we've ever seen in human history. We're also seeing, obviously, obesity rates and rates of diabetes and systemic health issues being as bad in the Western cultures as they've ever been in human history. But this blows my mind because it's like, man, we have so much knowledge. We have all of these education systems. We have accrued 40, 50 years of knowledge in the fitness industry at this point. But what we're doing is really not working. And I think that for a large extent, People are trying to do too much too quick. They're banging themselves up. They're burning themselves out and they're staying away from habit formation as opposed to more of a punishment based workout or nutrition program where it's not having the sustainability levels that we actually need. So I don't believe that people are out there that are like, fuck it, I just want to be unhealthy. I just want to be morbidly obese. I want to have diabetes. I want to have knee and lower back pain and shoulders that feel like they have icicles in them when I try to pick up my son. I think that they're just misinformed on what the best route is to get there and actually what all the cofactors are in play that will get them the results that they're after. So simply put, a lot of people are trying hard but they're doing the wrong things and they give up on their fitness journey or their health journey far too fast. And then they're left with a lifestyle that truly doesn't sustain a quality life. It's a, it's sad, but it's something that we try to fight against on a daily basis is why we do what we do. And I guess, sorry, you're going to say, you go, Andrew. I was just going to say that it's keeping physical therapists in business and paying their kids college. It's not even though, man, I hate that excuse. I I hate to call you out on this, but physical (laughs) therapists, if you talk to the right physical therapist, they fucking hate some guy coming in that doesn't have a physical practice. That's never taken care of themselves. That sleeps three hours a night that drinks 14 beers a week. That literally has no chance of rehabilitating whatever the fuck it is that they're in physical therapy for. From a professional, moral, and ethical standpoint, 
these are the hardest people to work with because a rehabilitation model will most likely fail those people. They need a health fix. They need a fitness fix. And if they could have a stronger foundation of those things, then it would make everybody's job easier. It would make the physical therapist's job easier so they don't have to put out fires. They can fine tune people's movement systems. It would make physicians' lives easier. They wouldn't have to polypharm people. They could actually have conversations about nutrition and wellness. It would make orthopedic surgeons' lives better because they wouldn't have to go in and put entirely new joints into people. Maybe they would just do minor surgeries that have better success rates. At the grassroots level, I am a big believer that a paradigm shift needs to happen at the biggest possible foundational level. And in my opinion, that's fitness. In my opinion, that's personal training. It is coaching. It is bringing people off the streets, being the first line of defense between you and a health or orthopedic-based issue. You know, as much as I love our brothers and sisters in physical therapy and in medicine and all our allied healthcare professions, it needs to happen at the lowest levels first. And that's, that's a fitness practice. That's some sort of physicality. It's some sort of lifestyle coaching that needs to happen for the masses, not just for the 0.01% of people that are actually getting a personal training service in the world today. That makes sense. Something that I think is really important when it comes to physical therapists that I promote and utilize, I've got a couple of guys that are the guys send people who are looking for help. And uh, people like yourself and Sam Spinelli are two of the best examples I've got in the industry. People who understand and promote physical wellness strength versus just band-aid fixes on this stuff. So this is why again, we brought you on here. We've oh. had Sam on here. And I think we've only ever had three physical therapists. Uh, one of the local guys that I utilize, getting Darren Bishop. Uh, and there's a reason why we chose you guys, because you guys are all just like that, that blast. Is you yeah, want to see get people it. healthier and better. It's not about, and it's not well, about lining your pockets, well, right? Here's a question that might be tough. Is And I, I think I know your answer, but how do, because we're saying the end, it starts at the foundation, which is personal training, yeah. whatever. How yeah. do we get them to a point where we're not making fun of them on a podcast for being shitty? Like whose job is it to bring up the rising tide in a, what a lot of the low hanging fruit of a lot of these conversations is like most trainers fucking suck right now because of the education again. How do we fix that problem? I don't even necessarily think it's because of the education that they're getting. I think it's the lack of education in terms of experience. You know, when you look at uh, a mastery level of anything, it's not just like, man, this guy is a PhD, so he knows everything out there. It's having that gut instinct that comes with experience of knowing how to real-time problem solve. But uh, I just want to talk about one thing here, though, because I think a lot of people don't understand with the physical therapy thing and the background that I have. Um, I'm not proud of this. It's just a fact of the matter is that I do hold a doctorate in physical therapy, but I've never worked a single day as a physical therapist in my life. So I went to physical therapy school all alongside working at the University of Buffalo, which is a division one strength conditioning job as a coach there. And then I moved right into the sports performance sector where I worked as a sports performance coach for the rest of my career. Now I work in fitness industry and not in the rehabilitation industry. So many times, even our closest followers, even the clients that I'm coaching, they think I'm like doing like joint mobilizations on people and putting like uh, heat packs and e-stim on. That's not my thing. You know, we, I have the background, I have the license, I have the education, but my focus from day one has always been at the grassroots. 
in the fitness industry with having movement as our medium, not diagnostic medicine, manual therapies, or anything along the lines of a licensure being the focus, but trying to scale what I learned in those sects into something that is relatively more novel to the fitness industry itself. But it's funny that, uh, you know, just because you have a doctor in front of your name or just because you have a certain credential line that you are something. So, you know, when you go to a party, oh, what do you do? You're a personal trainer. People go, oh, I know what that is. Oh, I'm a physical therapist. And they're like, okay, where are the towels and the heat packs? I know what you do. And it's like you are more so what you do on a daily basis as opposed to what your credential line may say, if that makes sense. You, you just we, said we have some, you first. You first, Dean. I was just I was gonna make a joke and just say you should lead with the doctor like what everyone else does with the doctor. Because like, you know, then then at least they think you're smart, even if they think you pretty bad song. As funny as that sounds though, you know, like some of the having a doctor in front of your name, it means nothing other than you went to school for a fucking long time and most likely you regret it. Um, you know, with our pain-free performance specialist certification, we have multiple doctors on staff. We call ourselves the fake doctors, you know, the physical therapists, the chiropractors, the PhDs. And then we actually have a real doctor on staff and we call him real Dr. Dave. And he's an orthopedic surgeon. And he is actually the only one that is truly in there doctoring people. But the rest of us, you know, it's just a, it's just a level of education. It could be in any profession, but people get so, so deep in polarization on the doctor thing. But it just means that you fucking read a lot of books and you had to take a lot of tests and most likely you gave up your entire youth where you should have been drinking more beers and instead you were in the library. We have a lot of really brilliant people that we've actually interviewed, our friends, uh, Brad Dieter and Spencer yeah. Adolski, Mike Isertel, yeah. Dr. Mike T. Nelson, you name it, like who have that credential. But there's yeah. equally, if not more, there's a larger group of people in our industry who don't necessarily have that kind of crazy credential. There are a lot of people that, I'll, I'll shift it. The end user doesn't necessarily care about those credentials. They care about how you help them. I always think exactly. of guys like ben, ben Bruno, who doesn't have a really extensive formal education along these lines. And ultimately, it is about the knowledge base you have. If you continue your education long term, it's the whole point of what you're doing to educate more people. You can help a lot more. So that makes a ton of sense. And just because someone has a credential, again, Dean mentioned Dr. Oz, it does not mean that they really are providing good information. You can make money though. He got he fucking figured it out. Like get hooked up with Oprah. You're done. Like that's Yeah, it's inter it's interesting on that credential line thing though. Like uh, you know, I have coaches here that work for me uh with drjohnrustin.com. I also have uh lead instructors and master instructors that teach the certification course. Never once I'm like, oh, show me your resume of where you went to school or what education level you have. Like that's like the last thing that we look for. I want to know where you've been, who you've helped, how you actually live a lifestyle that you're preaching. That stuff matters far more to me than like, oh, it's really impressive that you have three PhDs and a doctor in chiropractic. Amazing. Well, you don't train and you've never trained anyone in your life and you communicate like shit. You know, it's usually like the fourth or the fifth most important thing for me. But there's also to a point where you have to have some sort of more formal education to actually have an appreciation for the foundations and the principles of exercise science, physiology, human anatomy, you know, things that aren't going to change in our lifetime. Hit them up. Hit them up. With, well, I guess we, we recently changed. So for anyone listening, 
Andrew, we, we always ask like what book you read and all this stuff, but like we're changing that now after whatever, a hundred and some episodes. <laughs> ask them. I don't even know what the new question is. Well, it's, 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 it's inspired by the whole conversation that started out. We just got the same books all the time. More on, yeah, we're focusing less on consuming and more on creating. So I pivoted into just asking our guests, like, what is something that you do outside of the your, your fitness industry pursuits like you do for entertainment enjoyment to kind of create some emotional space or some boundaries for yourself <laughs> so you know if anyone has kids out there they're gonna they're gonna know this um yeah i'm busy i have three businesses in the fitness industry i have a wife at home i travel a ton i have two kids four years old and ten years old when I'm not doing stuff that's going to help our family and build our businesses and give us stability, it's really my time is my kid's time. So every waking moment that I have that I'm not actually working or being with our coaches, it's spent with my son and my daughter. Um, it, it's the most rewarding time by far because they are able to do things and learn new things and just be so far away from what we're doing on a daily basis. It brings you back down to earth sometimes. But, you know, one of the most special things that we've given to the kids is that, you know, they see mom and dad train every day. They have big jack dudes coming into the gym every single day. And they live a life of physicality. Even at four and 10 years old, they know that it's important to move your body. They know it's important to, you know, eat right and live life physically. And it's something so cool. Like my daughter, she dances, she plays softball, she does swimming. She will go out in the backyard and play. You know, my son will go to the park, him and I, five to six days a week for hours on end, climbing around, doing unformal things, and just having a good time being physical. Like, that's what I love to do with them. As I'm like recording this, though, I'm looking outside, it's like, it's like 17 degrees out in Madison, Wisconsin now. It's about to be negative 17. I'm talking Fahrenheit too. So our park time is a little bit less in the winter, but you know, it's something that we love to get outside and actually do things that aren't always gym-based. And especially with the kids, you know, they know that mommy and daddy work in the gym and they think that it's so cool that when we go down and we start lifting weights, we're doing our work. It's our work day. But I think they're going to see things that not a whole lot of other kids see at this point, but for any coach out there that owns a facility or has their kids come in and train with them, or at least just view what goes on on a daily basis, man, it's so important because we talk about those grassroots. We talk about helping health, helping people be resilient, building it up from the ground up. It happens when you're four years old. It happens when you're 10 years old. It happens in middle school and high school. It happens with parents actually setting the stage, being a role model for their kids. The next generation coming up, hopefully they don't have these issues. But it's all good and well, well and good to talk about this stuff. It's another thing to live a lifestyle that you can share with the next generation. You know, that's what my coaching is all about. That's what the kids management is all about. And really every waking moment of my day, something geared to that. Two thoughts there. Um, one is it's obvious that prioritizing personal time, family time is something that everybody should make a big deal of. Uh, there are people sidelining yeah. that stuff to try to get more successful in their career. Be careful there. But the whole idea about bringing kids into the gym. So thankfully the facility I contract at allows kids to be here. So several of my clients will bring their kids and the kids hang out with us quietly. Most of some, some of them are a little bit rambunctious. As long as they're <laughs> going underneath Olympic lifting barbells coming down. Well, it's okay. 
But <laughs> I love this because I talk about this all the time, normalizing that environment, taking the intimidating factor out of it when their kids as they grow up in that environment. So that way it's a safe, normal place that they feel like they belong in at a young age. How many people are we working with who, especially women who are in their thirties and upwards who are terrified of gym environments, their first time stepping into it because yeah. this is such an alien environment that was conditioned to them as being Arnold and bodybuilding and, and powerlifting or whatever that is totally the antithesis of what it really is as a safe yeah. place for anybody to be a better person. Uh, and then obviously we want to make sure you say uh, drjohnrustin.com one more time and tell everybody where we can find you on social media. Because Where's we the want best to share place you right now? Yeah, drjohnrustin.com will have basically everything. And then a new website we just launched this year is getppsc.com, G-E-T-P-P-S-C.com. That's the Pain-Free Performance Specialist Certification course, which uh, I'm the owner and CEO of that business. But that thing is going nuts, but we should talk about that at a different time. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll say this. Um, if anyone has listened to the Jade Tata episode in the past, you're going to hear, and I point this out, Jade is is beyond engaging. He can yeah. create a, a, an experience with someone that I'd never met Jade in person. He's talking to us like he's old friends. And I don't think it's coincidence because you sort of have that same demeanor. You and I have hung out and talked in a very limited capacity once before. Yeah. And you're speaking to me like we're old friends. And there's a mutual respect in our industry. And I, and I, I Just appreciate that. Just do it nice to you, Andrew, because you're huge. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah, the vascularity, I got to be started with that. that. I never know but, when I'm going to get out of there. <laughs> what, what I like, anyone listening to this as well, is, is take, I said this about Jade, and I said this about you, is take lessons here. There, there is a lot to forming really great communication and, and, and instant relationships with people that's going to matter with your client stuff. So uh, what I'll also say is you're welcome back anytime at all. This was fantastic. This was We've had a really great string of recent stuff, and this seems to continue with that trend. So I hope people will actually go in and follow your social media, but get into your website and start reading and learning from the stuff you're doing. I'm kind of hoping you will actually do something at Breck Contreras did, and, and I'll have to see if it isn't already in the works. I always said, like, I want to, like, grab all of Brett's articles and go back in, like, however long, and there's all this great food stuff. And then, boom, he drops a book that condenses it all in the one place. So I'm thinking yeah, myself. John's like, come back here. Stop talking. It's I wouldn't hate it if you turned around and created your collective wisdom and uh, and drop one, uh, be the new supple leopard, only even better than what Dr. Kelly Sturette put together. So you know, it's, we'll it's funny you say that. We've been we've been hit up by publishers the last year and a half or two years, uh, multiple different ones. I'm not ready yet. You know, just like I wasn't ready to write articles, just like I wasn't ready to do a certification course. Not ready for the book quite just yet. Wait. But when we get this other stuff going where we lay the constructs down the infrastructure where it's sustainable, we can help more people. It's got to happen, right? Because you're not That's legit that. unless you write a book, right? Your wife's going to come to you and be like, John, all these <laughs> pros. You see those books on the shelf? <laughs> fucking do that. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly the, how it's going to go down. Here's the final takeaway. And I think this is a good one is choose, choose a great life partner who is going to push you. And uh, she sounds like she's been a big inspiration at a, influenced her on your <laughs> your career yeah you know it's not always easy but it's something that if you can have somebody around that's going to push you to be better even when they're hard conversations and calling you out on your shit you know that's how you grow as a human being and uh yeah you know i took the advice but i took it you know bite my lip most of the time but it, it seems to work out well, thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. Like I said, guys, go and go and follow John. He's got great stuff. We didn't pull him on here because we wanted to listen to just just anybody ramble, ramble on for an hour. This was fantastic. And, I appreciate uh, it, guys.
stay tuned. We've got a lot of the names that we've thrown around. If you're, if you're finding us for the first time because you've seen us on John's media, we've had a ton of episodes of people like Christian Thibodeau and other prominent Teen Nation writers. So go check out some of our stuff if you like us. Maybe go stick around and check out future episodes. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Shut up and sit down.